One last question about the Hornet game. Okay. Who has a worse haircut, Alan Crabb or Jeremy Lin? Let's go! All right, Rip City, welcome to another edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. If you knew what we went through just to bring this show to you, we I guess we just love the Blazers, you guys uh, podcasting. I guess we just don't have anything better to do on Monday night. We're, we're stoked to be here. I'm Dustin up in Portland. I got my man. I'm Sage out here in Southern Oregon with the heater running. I'm so, so I'm proud of you for, for figuring out that heat situation, dude. I need you warm and toasty. When you come back up to Portland in December to see your pals take another L in person. So, you know, definitely stay warm. I don't want you frozen. Got to get your butt back back up here. Man, I had to edit out my teeth chattering in that last episode. That's what took the longest time. It wasn't our goofs. It wasn't our slips. It was me chattering my teeth. So I'm in climate-controlled comfort. I'm ready to get this podcast popping. And let's get to it you know let's definitely get to it first of all you know we thought we would be talking to you after a trailblazers victory in denver we had that marked as a win they did get a big win in utah so when it all evens out they all count the same it's two and two however i'm sure you would feel much better about it i would feel much better about it if they probably got the win tonight and we're talking you know after a win, it is a bit of a bummer that they won two straight, maybe the two toughest games during this four-game stretch. I know Detroit's playing great right now, but you had them on the ropes, you had them at home, and I think that fourth quarter in Detroit really, I don't want to say soured these past 24 hours of Blazer basketball, but they definitely put a damper on it, I would say. I mean, I actually really love that we won against the Jazz, because I thought that was the tougher game our guys for actually winning that game the Denver one's pretty tough because like we said that's not our, a good team that is not a yeah, good team. exactly we said in our western conference preview podcast that they were the worst team in the west and we took an L to them props to Emmanuel Moody we said he was going to be good but that boy very good he's pretty good he needs to get that jumper down a little bit more consistent I, I don't think he's the reason they really won that game once again the Blazer Bigs and their guards could not grab a defensive rebound. They could not keep both the Pistons and the Nuggets out of the paint. It's becoming another, I, I don't want to say blazer bugaboo, but you know turnovers, free throws, and now I think it's it's got to be paint points and rebounds. That's what's going to decide whether Portland wins or loses games. You go back over these four games, the Trailblazers, when they rebound, they win. That's just the bottom line. You want to go back throughout the whole season. They're 4-0 when they win the rebounding battle. They are plus 9 in the rebound margin in wins, minus 7.5 in losses. They give up 50 points in the paint in losses. And when they win, they only give up 40. So we can kind of look to those two stats to tell the story if the Blazers are going to get it done or not. They're doing a great job of scoring the basketball. I believe they're averaging over 100 points per game right now, which is incredible considering they don't have a back-to-the-basket score. So offense, it's not it's not the issue. They need to figure out a way to get stops. But, we, I mean, that was the thing that we always talked about. We didn't think that they were going to be a good defensive team. So, But we thought we had we thought they had potential to be better. They're, they're longer, they're more athletic, and I think they have more depth defensively than they did a year ago. So it is a little concerning to see guys like J.J. Hickson and Kenneth Reed have just, you know, incredible nights. They're just, to me, they're average NBA players. They, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. You know, letting Drummond go off is one thing. He's a budding superstar. But it's just a little frustrating when you do so well against Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors. They hold Favors just to six points on two of seven shooting. You know, Gobert's averaging, what, 13 or 14 rebounds. He only gets nine. I mean, you, you do such a good job on those two. You follow that up with a great win against against the Grizzlies. You know, Zebo was tough. He had 16 and 10. But Gasol, you know, he did have that stiff neck. 15 points on 4 of 13 shooting and 5 rebounds. A complete non-factor. We took him out of the game. So you do a, a fantastic job against, I want to say, arguably two of the top five front courts post-pairings in the NBA. And then you follow that back up with two really poor performances. But like we've said in this podcast, it is going to be an emotional 
roller coaster. There's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys. There's not going to be a lot of consistency with this team, just given the fact of how young they are. So um, my question is, in that Denver game, at the end of the half, we had a chance to either call a timeout or run the play at the end of the half and get that Damian Lillard layup. If you were the coach, what would you have done? Would you have called the timeout or would you have let them play? potentially get an extra point without them setting up that defense? Because they were scrambling at the end of the first half. I'm always for not really calling timeouts. <laughs> Given Terry is great at calling timeouts, calling plays, I should say, out of timeouts, I always like it when the defense is scrambling, especially when you have playmakers like Lillard and McCollum. Good things always happen when they have the ball in their hands. More times than not, they're either going to make the basket or they're going to get to the foul line just because you've got the defense in, in scramble mode. So I'm really all for that. However... I am a little flustered, a little upset at the lack of the hacka, you know, the hashtag. I think they they let Drummond just roam wild in that whole game. They never wrapped him up. They didn't, you know, start intentionally fouling him. I know Stott said in the fourth quarter they were they just didn't have enough team fouls. Well, the dude is murdering you in the paint. You know, just start hacking him. Bring in a guy like Cliff Alexander who was active. He has six fouls. Cayman has six fouls. Use them. If they're in a penalty, so so be it. That guy's a worse free throw shooter than DeAndre Jordan and Mason Plumley. Make Stan Van Gundy decide whether he wants to keep him in the game or put him on the bench. You know, if he takes him, if he puts him in the bench, you know, you do risk getting into foul trouble elsewhere. But you know, I would live with that than Drummond just tipping it in, easy cook shots in the paint with no help at all. And then and then tonight, JJ Hickson, we had a chance three straight times to to foul him. You know, he did go 4-4 four, at four the line, so it may have not worked down the stretch. But I would have liked to have seen some creativity. I guess, I, don't, I wouldn't call that creative, but maybe outside the box. It's strategic. strategic. We yeah. were not getting stops down the stretch. He, he, he was 3 of 9 at the foul line before those, so you've got to like your chances there. So I was a little uh, frustrated at that, but, you know, it's definitely not the reason why we lost either game. Just think, Drummond was 2 for 13 in the game before against the Suns. That's such a bad percentage that it's basically worth it to get Chris Kamen or Cliff Alexander in foul trouble. It's you like, cannot let a guy dominate the paint like that. You have to try something different. He was the, the reason they won that game. Reggie Jackson had 40, but the reason Reggie Jackson had 40 is because the Blazer bigs were scared to death of that lob. They never fully committed. The Blazer guard was waiting for that to commit from the big, and it eventually allowed Reggie Jackson just to dribble his way down and get layup after layup after layup. Kind of brings me to my next point. The hot topic, I think, around Rip City right now was the Trailblazers' pick-and-roll defense. I've got my thoughts on it, but I want to hear from you first, Sage. It's 100% a scheme thing. It's They go under picks to defend the middle of the paint, but sometimes that that stuff doesn't work. And it, honestly, what what I'm more mad about was the quality of shot in the fourth quarter. I mean, the pick-and-roll defense is a scheme thing, but the quality of shots that were put up in the fourth quarter was atrocious. That's what irritated me. They didn't have the the patient offense. It was a lot of quick panic shots. That's what irritated me. True, but when Reggie Jackson, what he went on a personal, what, 14 or 16-0 run himself, Mm -hmm. and they were all layup after layup, and it is a scheme thing. Like you said, they're not hedging out. We, We thought we would see more intensity on the pick-and-roll defense with athletic bigs like mm-hmm. Davis and Bonley, uh, Myers and Mason. You know, they're much more athletic th- than Rolo and Aldridge were, so we were hoping we would see maybe more trapping of the point guard, you know, just to disrupt the offense. We've seen this time and time again. You go back to last year, the Blazers, even after Wesley went down, had a home game against the Clippers. I believe they got up 17. I was at, at the game in person. And it was still when we were trying to get the second or third seed out west. However, the Clippers figured it out. We were giving them wide-open jump shot after wide-open jump shot. CP3 kicked it to Blake. He made a million mid-range jumpers all alone. And I think Chris Paul ended up having like 40 points and 20 assists that night because we did the same thing as as we did with Reggie Jackson. We wouldn't fully commit, and he just kept his dribble. And they're NBA players. If if you don't commit to them, they're going to go all the way to the hoop. Uh, we saw we saw the same thing against the Clippers again this preseason when 35-point lead loss. It's just I feel like it's going to be um, a glaring problem the rest of the way. Opposing backcourts are having too many career nights against our guards, and I don't really think our guards are as poor of defenders as those numbers are showing. I do think it's a scheme issue. 
this this isn't any part of the 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 discussion, but I just thought of it. And when you say NBA player, do you mean a rotation player, a starter? Or a yeah, an NBA player. Like, think of how many people play basketball around the world. Think of how many, you know, basketball is a job. So think how many positions are available. You've got 15 times 30 teams. You know, that's 450 positions available. That is a rare, rare position, you know. So it's tough to get an NBA gig. So even the worst players, you know, you rag on Ish Smith all the time. I used to rag on Steve Blake. They're still world-class basketball players. They're in the 99 percentile if you're in the league. I mean, we've got guys in the D League who can ball. You got you look at CJ McCollum's brother Eric. Probably, I think he scored like 70 or 80 points in China. People can play. So if you give a guy not only space but let him get into a rhythm, it's going to be lights out. And mm-hmm. I think with this team and basketball in general, you win games on the defensive end. You have to set that tone, and that's what teams are starting to do with Portland. We'll look great for three quarters running the pick and pops. We're sharing the ball. Fourth quarter comes, I think there's the blueprint out to beat the defense, and that is trap Lillard, trap McCollum, get the ball out of their hands, and let guys like Aminu and Harkless, Plumley handle the ball, and that's when we're seeing the turnovers that are getting you upset. They definitely got me upset. I, I couldn't believe how many unforced errors this team had against Detroit. But again, it's going to happen this season. So you kind of have to just <laughs> relegate yourself to, to just, you know, it's the way the cookie crumbles this year. And I, I looked at some forums, and they were talking about the heart that the Blazers showed in the fourth quarter. Well, showing heart and showing being excited, it really being playing well is a factor to that. So when you're not playing well, it's so tough to be all hoorah about the the, the team. If you're all NBA players are hyper competitive. Oh, exactly. You have to be at this level. Yeah. So just because they're not showing the heart, like by yelling, doesn't mean they don't have heart. Well, exactly. You look like a, you look at a guy like Tim Duncan, who's maybe smiled or showed emotion. You know, I can count that the number of times I've seen that on my hand over his his what twenty year career in the league. So I think showing heart and showing emotion are completely different. And I don't think it, it was as much as the team didn't show heart. It, it just they panicked. Mm-hmm. We saw it in preseason at Staples Center. We, you could just see the look of panic set in on all the guys, probably outside of Lillard. They kind of just were like, "Oh crap." How do we stop this bleeding? Mm-hmm. I think if they just would have been able to run the offense a little bit more, continue with the pick and pop that was working so well with Myers, just got a couple of buckets to stop the bleeding. I don't think Detroit runs away with it. Honestly, I think Portland finds a way to win that game. It's just in the NBA, momentum is a mother. And when the other te- when Uncle Mo was in the opposition corner, it's really, really hard to get it back. Mm-hmm. And Detroit, you know, hats off to them. They are a good team. They've had a lot of good wins this year. It's just they, they flip the switch, and there's really nothing more you can do is just tip your hat and move on to the next game. Unfortunately, uh, Portland did that. They just weren't able to, to get a victory. So we're sitting here at 4-4. Four and four. Last podcast, we said, you know, you definitely have to take 4-4. Four and four. You know, you, you like where we're at. It's just those two losses in a row, the way they happened, it, it's going to be it, – you don't feel as good about it as you would have, like we said, if you had beaten Utah – or you had lost Utah and beat Denver instead. Even though Utah is a much better win, and it will look – much better as the season goes on. You've really got to beat a team like Denver if you're serious about making the playoffs. I know playoffs are a stretch, but you know a lot of fans still have hope, as they should. It's still early November. Shout out to Kim Thrasher. You know you got to definitely leading the let's not tank charge on Twitter. Yeah, and I don't so. think nobody is, should be talking tank right now. Again, we're November 9th right now. I mean that's incredible. We're maybe not even a tenth away through the season. There's so much basketball left to be played. But in a player development type of season, I don't want to see losses to the Nuggets. Referees have shown throughout time they will reward the more aggressive team. If Portland would have started getting more aggressive, you know, I think that the outcome of the game is a little bit different. I think for whatever reason, Denver wanted it more. I don't know how. There was absolutely nobody in that arena. You look up, the whole 300 level was empty. Most of the 200 level was empty. There was probably two times as many fans at the Trailblazers Fan Fest as there were in that arena. So, you know, kudos to them for playing with energy. Uh, Portland, I know it's the second night of a back-to-back, but they, they've got to bring it. Especially, they have got a tough, tough stretch coming up. So they really needed that victory, I thought. But we'll see what this team is made of. When adversity strikes them, we'll see what they're made of. They lost two straight to Phoenix. They rebounded very nicely, beating Minnesota, Utah, and Memphis. You know, there, there are going to be a lot of win streaks, both positive and negative. So just, you know, roll with the punches, Rip City. It, 
it's going to get better before it gets worse. So, you know, that's that's enough about the losses. There are still a, a lot of bright spots to talk about with this team. One I really want to look at is Myers Leonard. Everyone was on this kid's case, said his shot's gone. He's back to, you know, pre-Memphis series Myers. Mustache isn't doing him any good. False. Mustache is doing him fantastic. Over the last three games, Myers is averaging 14 points per game. He's shooting 57% from the field, 42% from three. You know, those are the numbers Portland needs from Myers. He needs to be, you know, a 14 to 16 point per game scorer. With that said, I would like to see him be more active elsewhere. I think he's a young player who lets his shooting affect his performance a little bit too much. For starting power forward, he needs to average more than five boards per game, which he's doing over that same span. He has also not registered a single block or a steal. Too active. He's too young. Too athletic. He, he does hustle. He just needs to find a way to, to make another impact. Like, you can't just be a scorer as... You know, right now, we're relying on him to be our third or fourth scorer. You you can't just score. You have to find other ways to help this team win. Especially at the power forward position. You need to contribute with the rebounds. Yeah, I know Minu rebounds extremely well for a three. You need your power forward to get rebounds. You know, and it's it's tough. He's still a young buck. I think his rebounds are going to get better. I don't think we need to expect double digit rebounds. That's just not his game. But I would like to see. I would be. I would be perfectly fine with seven rebounds a night. Getting sixteen and seven, a couple assists. I would like to see him get get a block or two. I mean, he he's got the length. He is so athletic that you definitely want to see him be a little more active on the defensive end. But if we're talking assists, I would love to see more of Mason Plumlee and Myers Leonard at that high post. Those, especially Mace, he's been dropping some dimes out of that high post, um, hitting the guards on the backdoor cuts, the give and goes. It's been beautiful basketball. I really like how Terry has, I felt like he's opened up the offense these past games. You know, we were both calling for more plays for Myers. That pick and pop for three has just been so beautiful with Hickey and Lillard. I love that pick oh, and pop. It's yeah. so beautiful. Gets him wide open looks, brings the big out of the paint. So it does allow for offensive reboundings if Myers does miss. It kind of reminds me when we're seeing Mace also. I mean, I'm, I'm talking in between subjects, but still overall, you know, Myers and Mace. It reminds me when Mace is at the high post of what when we used to have Marcus Camby and he was doing those lobs to Aldridge. It was just so lethal. And then... When we have Myers shooting that three off the pick and pop, it's almost like what Phoenix used to do with, with Channing Fry, with the Pelicans, how they utilize Ryan Anderson. When you have a stretch four, you got to get him looks. And he is one of the best knockdown shooting bigs in the game. So, you know, hats off to you, Terry, for, for getting Myers those looks. Unfortunately, I think with this team, again, you're not, you don't have a player you can just dump it in the post and he's going to command a double team. He's going to, you know, put pressure on that defense. So I think we do need a couple more ways to get the whole team whole team going. I think the next step for the Trailblazers is to kind of figure out this trapping of Dame. How are they going to attack it? Are they going to take the ball out of his hands? Like, again, I mean, I know we bring up the Clippers, but it seems like every time we play the Clippers, something monumental happens. And there was that game at Staples last year when they were beating us good. Stotts goes to Batum to run the point. They no longer can trap because Nick can see over the top. The one negative about trading Nick is you don't really have that guy. Aminu's a little reckless. With no, the no, hands. no. We can't do you that. Don't want, you don't want him doing that. And so you can't really have a taller player initiate the offense because CJ's you know, a short shooting guard. So it's going to be, they got to go They got to go back to the drawing board and figure out a way to beat this press or to beat this trap because otherwise that's just going to be the team when the game gets close. They're just going to flip that switch and say, let's trap Dame. We're not going to let this guy beat us. And, you know, we, the wheels have been falling off when Lillard hasn't really had the ball in his hands. How do you feel about Mace getting the rebound and dribbling it up himself? Do you like it or does it it. so much? Such like, a love-hate relationship. He does so many good things with it. And there's other times where he just turns it over. I mean, I guess in a season like this, it's just kind of like, you know, what the hell? Do do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we were a contending team, I would I would not be in favor of it. It does scare me. It scares me, to be perfectly honest, when anybody other than Lillard and McCollum are, you know, dribbling the basketball. Everyone else really feels like they're just a turnover waiting to happen. My grandfather used to play golf a lot, but he would never keep score like a normal golf game. He would go good strokes versus bad strokes, 
And that's the kind of way I see it with Mace dribbling the ball down. There are some good parts, but there's some bad parts. A few games, there was more good than bad. In others, there's more bad than good. Like you said, it's a it's a rebuilding year, so a player development year, so it's fine. It messes with my emotions, and I don't really like that. You know, uh, I completely agree. It's just, it's one of those things. Is, it's like, no, 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 yes! And other times it's like, why, 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 why? I mean... It's a roller coaster. This whole season's a roller coaster. Um, How do you feel about Al Farouk doing the same thing, but it's more of a me versus four type of fast break? He does need to chill a bit on those me versus four fast breaks. Uh, yeah. I still like what what he gives us. I like the fact that he puts the ball on the floor and can and can dribble a little bit. But I, I don't like anybody going one on four. I mean, unless even unless you're LeBron, you're, one on four is just not not a good look for anybody. And just something, sometimes the best move is to just turn around and reset the offense. Hey, Dustin, What's I'm going to say something nice about Afrika Mina. No, no, <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Dude, he has improved so much from the Hornet slash Pelican days when I watched him. He has improved a lot. I still don't want him shooting a lot of three-pointers. I still don't want him dribbling the ball a lot. But he has played a lot better in these games. There's also a narrative that people in the media have been saying about Al Farouk Aminu never having a starting job, which is completely false. He has played, he's had a starting job two and a half years in New Orleans. I think that's kind of some lazy journalism saying that he's never started. The scheme is much better for Al Farouk, but he has started. He's had plenty of time to develop. And I think over the summer, he actually has developed. I mean, there's still a lot to work on, but he has developed and has improved. I mean, I, see, I don't mind the threes. I don't want him shooting unassisted threes. But when Dame's driving and kicking to him either at the top of the key or at the corners, both he and Harkless are just knockdown shooters. I feel really good about them shooting that three. Again, it's just when he, he kind of gets a little out of control sometimes. But you know what? He makes up for it on the defensive end. He busts his butt. He's that steal of Gallo for the slam. I thought that really was going to turn the tide into Portland's favor. He's arguably, I don't even think he's our, I think he's our best defensive player. I think so he as does, well. He does a great job on the wings. I, I think he does a lot of things that aren't going to show up on a box score. So we it, could look back and we could see over the season what his stats are. He just has that intangible and, impact. And people are talking about his emotions. In New Orleans, he never was emotional. Never, ever. He had the same look on his face. So. And that's an interesting point that you made up. I was watching the broadcast. I think it was the, it had to have been the Detroit game. And I think Mike Barrett was talking about how Aminu in Dallas, they asked him to come off the bench, but we need you to show a little more emotion. We need the energy. And he saw the effect that had on the crowd and on mm-hmm. his team. So he started to do it more. And that's kind of where he, he's at now. And, you know, I love players that show emotion. I get so hyped when they hit a three and they're calling for the crowd to get louder. Of course I'm going to get louder. You're telling me to do so. So I think the more guys you have like that, the better. I think the contract's looking better and better. Seven mil for a player like that, you take that and run to the bank all day, every day, twice on Sundays. In this NBA, that's totally worth it because of the, the ballooning contracts. You know, I think even in the current CBA, seven million for a starter, I have no problem with that. More more proof that it's in Olshay. We trust. But back to more, you know, bright is that, side Is stuff. that a Blazers thing? Uh, if it's not, it should be. Because that's an in Demps we trust and in Loomis we trust. I think trust. it's that all sports teams, like, okay. in, in insert GM slash oh. coach slash favorite okay, player, right. we trust. <laughs> Hi. Senior cat. Oh, Bassie, was... he, Bassie's a little pissed right now, you know, Rip City. So he definitely is not about those losses. He didn't get any fancy feasts tonight. Or last night because of unfortunate defeats the Trailblazers suffered at the hands of the Pistons and the Nuggets. But you know he's looking forward to that game on Wednesday. He's ready for more fancy. I'm actually saying it right now, and he's going nuts because he think he's he thinks he's getting some. So I better not say anymore. I don't want to get his hopes up. Uh, that would be cruel and unusual. Just like what you almost did to your mother by not telling her that Pistons game. Let let let's hear it, Sage. Your mom was watching the game on delay. Was that it? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, my mom is a very busy lady, and she likes to watch Blazers. She watches TV while she works. So I I didn't want to ruin the programming for her by saying, hey, we we kind of blew a humongous lead. But I got uh, a bunch of people told me how wrong I was, and I called... Namely your boy right here. I mean, 
Yeah. In general, I'm all about letting the fan find out the outcome, but that game was gut wrenching. It felt ten times worse than that Clipper game. Just you feel so helpless. Enough of that. Enough of that Debbie Downer stuff. I really want to talk about that Jazz game. How impressive that was. Utah is leading the NBA in defense. They are only allowing 85 points per game. Portland put up 108 in their gym on opening night. The Blazer backcourt was at its finest that I've seen it this year. I believe they outscored their Utah counterparts 62-16. to Like, let that sink in a bit. That is utter domination at the NBA level. And when Lillard and CJ get it cooking, man, it's fun to watch. Yeah, but like I've been saying, they're a great defensive team. Man, we looked good that game. And that made me have so much confidence for that Grizzly game. The way oh, we, yeah, we knew, we knew we were going to smoke Memphis after exactly. that game. You know, you look, Memphis, they're definitely not the team they were last year. Um, they're allowing 101.7 points per game. The Trailblazers are just right below them at 102.3. That should tell you all you need to know about the Grizzlies this year. They've had a lot of bad losses this year to great teams. Um, to me, that's not a sign of a contender is when you're getting blown out by teams that are above you or were considered in the preseason to be elite. You know, you got the Cavs who smoked them by 30, Memphis by 50, Portland by 19. They just looked old. I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they all, are. They are. We, we've all thought that, you know, when, when is the year, everyone keeps talking the Spurs. When is the year the Spurs, the Spurs, you know, finally fall off, fall off the wagon. But I've been thinking, you know, Memphis, mm-hmm. Mike Conley, he's good. But he's to the point where you say Mike Conley's underrated so much. I think he's overrated. I mean, that's just the, the, the narrative that we all hear is Mike Conley doesn't get enough credit. No, he's a solid point guard who's never made an NBA All-Star team, which I think is, is more than fair. He's not mm-hmm. an All-Star point guard. Courtney Lee seems to only play really well against us. Jeff Green, I don't know what that guy is. Is he a three? Is he a four? Tony Allen can't score. You've got Randolph, who I think is going to continue to play well just because he doesn't rely on athleticism. But the main thing for Memphis, if I was a Grizzly fan, that would scare me to death is Mark Gasol does not look like a max player. I mean, he's getting, you know, 13 and 8. The defense just isn't there. Um, when he won Defensive Player of the Year two or three years ago, I don't see, I didn't see that same swarming Grizzly defense that was there in the playoffs. Granted, it is November 9th, or it was uh, a little bit earlier on the calendar when they played Portland. And for a veteran team, they usually take a while to, to charge it up. They were they are in the midst of a five game road trip, so those are all forgiven. But early signs say Memphis is not going to be a factor factor out west. I was still, regardless of that, that's still a great win for the Trailblazers. They made the most of their only television appearance on TNT this season. I I was at the game, and it was funny because we we started stone cold. Neither mm-hmm. team could hit anything. And it was kind of just like, oh, God, here we go again. Like, are we going to be able to score, like, 70 points against these guys? Like, what do we have to do to get this lid off the rim? All of a sudden, third quarter, splash, 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 Dame and CJ, and then Myers gets hot. And it was just like, you don't want to say that makes up for last year's postseason, but it was almost just like they they kind of uh, erased a little bit of the demons for that game. And I could you could, you could see they were just like, you know, finally, we can score mm-hmm. against this team. Uh, they put up 115 Probably could have been a lot more. It was it was beautiful. Portland went 15 of 30 from deep. McCollum and Lillard combined for 47. And they were efficient. Oh, we, that's another key. is If our guards can keep the turnovers down, keep the scoring efficient, we're going to be really hard to beat. Jump shooting or not, it was that 33-3 to run that they had over the span of the third quarter and into the fourth, which really just opened the game, game up. And, you know, it was fun. I mean, yeah. that, that's what this season is all about. You just have to take the wins and, and enjoy them. Don't get too low on, on the losses. There's going to be plenty of those. Go back to last. Olga and I went to the game, and immediately after, she's like, hey, look, can we rewatch that game? I'm like, hell yeah, we can rewatch that game. So, you know, we stayed up stayed up late on Thursday and rewatched it. It was so fun. And I think that's really what this season is all about. I think that's what Wednesday's all about, Sage. You know what Wednesday is, don't you? Oh, Yeah. Remember that 2K simming session I did? I, 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 Who won that game, my oh, friend? Oh, the Blazers by like 40. I, I love it. I don't know if that's going to be the case. but How it might. I think this team is pissed. I do, I do not think they are happy with how they played uh, those last two games. I definitely know the bigs are not thrilled with their performance on the boards. I think we're going to see a revved up, a revved up team. They're going to come charged up. 
the fans are going to be charged up. Everyone is going to be really loud. I, I think there's going to be a chorus of boos for LaMarcus every time he touches the ball. It's going to be reminiscent of a vintage Blazer-Lakers game when Kobe's in town. Uh, it could be even worse than the Darius Miles return game, and that was one of the loudest uh, array of boos I've ever heard in my life. No, I, I mean, to clarify, I did not say we weren't going to win. I said 40's kind of tough. Oh, all right, okay. totally. Okay. I, mean, I, I, thought, I, I, I think wanna, that was... Uh, I mean, yeah, I didn't want to say that we'll lose. I just said 40's kind of high. You know, and for the Blazers, if we want to kind of project... You know, we, we like to do this. We don't want to look too far in the future, but we've been podcasting. You know, we're going to start every Monday night. Episodes will be out on Tuesday. So we want to look at the games through through Monday. Mm-hmm. And my friend, if they're going to get a win, it's crazy to say, but the, this San Antonio game at home could be their best shot for this stretch of four games. Uh, they've got ESPN on national TV. So it's a 7.30 tip-off on Wednesday. They go quickly to Memphis on Friday for a game at, at 5. Charlotte on Sunday at 2, which is a very odd time. Monday in San Antonio at 5.30. So you're playing a lot of teams that you've just played. You know, that's two times against Memphis. That's two times against San Antonio. And then you're playing, you know, one of your former teammates, Nicholas Batum, in Charlotte during the midst of a four-game trip, which does culminate next Wednesday, the 18th, in Houston. Oh, and your reward for for coming home? The Clippers. They always say the the first home game off of a road trip is essentially another road game. It's really tough to win because you get back in that bed, you see your wife, you see your kids, you see your family, get that home-cooked meal, you start getting into your routine, and you get a little comfortable. You take that focus off. And that's what I fear will happen with this young team. Again, don't want to project too far. Let's see how they do over these four games. But, man, that, that's a tough schedule for a team that's off to a pretty good start right now. So, you know, we've been pretty optimistic with this 2-2 two and two stretch. What are your predictions on, on these four games? How do you see the Blazers doing, Sage? I think that they'll beat the Spurs, lose to the Grizzlies, lose to Charlotte because I think... Charlotte's going to be a surprisingly good team, and I think Marvin Williams will be the X factor in that game. Do you think they're going to trade Al Jefferson? You know, with with Rich Cho and Michael Jordan at the helm, you really know don't know what they're going to do. I mean, they're the same guys that that took Frank Kaminsky number nine. They're the same guys that gave up their number nine pick already from 2014 for a guy in Nicholas Batum, who I would almost assure is going to leave them in free agency. He's going to go for the biggest payday possible. Which again, don't don't blame me, Nick. No, no. No remorse, no hard feelings there, but uh, they've made very, they made a lot of sketchy decisions that make you scratch your head. Um, Cody Zeller really, at uh, when Nerland's Noel was on the board. I mean, yeah, Cody Zeller. I mean, I still remember watching that draft reaction party and they were just booing endlessly over that pick. Can't really blame them. Zeller has not been anything to really call home about. But if we kind of want to, you know, look at Al Jefferson, I mean, I don't know. What do you think get for the, him? Is is he is is Al Jefferson is that type of player is he is he dead in today's NBA? I think that I don't think he's dead, but I think there's few teams that would have use for him. But he's a pretty talented offensive scorer. He's talented offensively, but again, defensively, he, can't, he cannot. It, it's not, his defense. You know, his defense is going to be terrible. The thing that gets me, if, if you're going to be a talented offensive scorer, you need to be able to make your teammates better and pass the ball. So if you're going to be a one way player, you better be a damn good one way player. That's why Towns is going to be so good is because he can pass the ball. And if we go back to the Detroit game, this is why another reason I was a little bit upset. We did not double-team Andre Drummond. Mm. The guy cannot pass. You've got to make people who can't do things do those things. You know, make, make, make a guy like Andre Drummond pass the ball. That's what the defenses are doing to us. They're making guys like Mo Harkless and Aminu dribble the ball. That's not their specialty. But turnovers are happening. So I think you've got to make players uncomfortable. I would have liked to have seen that. I, I think with the Spurs game, you never really know. Um, so did you, you didn't give a prediction on that last Spurs game. So you're saying one and three? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I hate to like agree with you. Um, it doesn't make for very fun radio. Well, we've podcast. kind of agreed with each other for the last like four weeks. We really have. And I'm not just going to disagree with you for the sake of disagreeing with you. That I mean, it kind of goes defeats the purpose of these, you know, Predictions, but I agree. I see. I actually see a pretty big win um, against the Spurs. I think they're going to come fired up. Revenge games, man. That, that revenge that's... game. I 
I could see this this four game set going one of two ways. You know, the pessimist me in me says one in three. The optimist says, well, if you get that game against San Antonio, you, you you're gonna win in Memphis. Um, but road games are much different than home games. So that Memphis game is it, that same story might not play. Those same shots that fall in in the friendly confines of of the Rose Garden may not in the Grindhouse. So unfortunately, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to say one in three. I think Portland's best shot at a second win is going to be that Memphis game. Charlotte game is going to be their first real Eastern test. And like you said, they're, they're going to surprise people. They've given us fits, actually, throughout history in that in that state for whatever reason. And then, you know, at San Antonio, that's just a tough ask. I mean, this is still mm-hmm. a good team. As much as we want to dog on LaMarcus, that's a tough ask. So I'll say one and three. But speaking about dogging on LaMarcus, if you're looking for, you know, a good laugh, there are a few Spurs forums out there. They're used to having guys you know, come in and play the Spurs way, and they're like, Yo, this dude is not making his shots, he's coming in out of shape, you know, what's, we got him for f- four years, he's so a I think Marcus has, he, he's a, exactly, he's, he's got a ways to go before he win, wins these fans over, and Spurs fans aren't as forgiving as Blazer fans, this is a franchise that they view success on rings, you know, they've won a lot over the span of the last, what, 15 years. So this season is measured by if they're raising a banner in the fall or not. If he comes as their marquee free agent and they're not, you know, getting that championship ring, that's going to result, that's going to look at the failure signing in in the eyes of the majority of of Spurs Nation. So that's a lot of pressure for LaMarcus, you know. Um, I give him credit for going out and trying to win, but that's, 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 he put a lot of pressure on himself. Um, and to be honest right now, he's, he's not really, I wouldn't say he's living up to the, the expectations of, of his contract. What would you say, Sage? I agree. And I mean, the Marcus Aldridge's game is the exact opposite of the Spurs model. He's either going to have to stop being a ball stopper and focus on becoming a good spur, or man, they might have to actually trade him. Because if he's not going to conform to the team model and the strategy and the culture, what's the point of having him if he's not a... What would you say if I told you that LaMarcus is averaging the second lowest points in his career, 15, and is shooting the worst shooting percentages of his entire uh, tenure career at 40, 40, 44%. Would that surprise you? Not really, because, I mean, like I said, it's not... Their scheme does not allow for a ball stopping four. Yeah, I mean he's putting up career low numbers, and you would think with a team with with Tim and Tony and Manu and Danny Green and Kawhi, there would be just space for days for this dude to operate. Mm-hmm. Like there's no double team coming against the Spurs. You just cannot do it. It's either he's unwilling to go into the post, or maybe he's just not used to the system yet. I mean, for the sake of this, I'll probably say it's more the latter. I, I think it's going to take him a while to gel. He played, what, nine years just pretty much as the dude in Portland. He got the ball over the past three years, anytime he wanted, um, where he wanted it, how he wanted it, and just had the green light to shoot every time. So when you go from that situation to uh, a team-oriented system, it's definitely going to take some time for him. Hopefully it doesn't come on Wednesday night. I hope he has a terrible night. hope he misses every single shot he takes and that he sees how, how much fun we're having. Um, hopefully he doesn't have too much fun in June either, if you know what I mean. We'll see a win against San Antonio, right? Yes. What do you think that key is? Do you think it, the key is just, you know, straight up adrenaline from the crowd energy or? Yes. I, I, see, I, think, I think it's the, the revenge game factor and the fans will be so hyped. And I think that'll help. I think for the Blazers to win, again, we're going to go back to, to the magic number. McCollum Lillard need to score 50 combined. They really need mm-hmm. to take these spur guards. You know, you got Parker, who's who's kind of old and doesn't really come out to play until the playoffs. Patty Mills isn't known for his defense. Um, Ginobili's not really known for his defense anymore. Danny Green's more of a of a scorer. I think those guys can really score. The Spurs don't really have any interior defenders that are going to scare. Why is a beast on the wing? But I don't know how often he's really going to be in the paint, disrupting things, especially if we can space the floor really well. So definitely getting those two players off turnovers. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. Portland has to limit their turnovers because if they don't, San Antonio is going to cash those in for fast break points night and night out. I mean, it's going to they they they're a veteran team. They're going to run a clinic on us if we don't take care of the basketball. And finally, rebounding advantage. I mean, we've seen it. Four games we win the rebounding advantage, we win. And the four games we lose the rebounding advantage, we lost. I mean, it's as simple as that. They have got to limit the Spurs' second chance opportunities. This team is too good of an offensive team to give them more than one chance every time down the court. 
And I would like to see Portland be, you know, continue to be more aggressive on the offensive glass. I think that feeds into the whole fan and revenge factor because the crowd, obviously everyone loves a three-pointer and a massive dunk, but nothing really gets the crowd like really energized like a couple of offensive rebounds in a row when you just like start just cheering because the hustle is there and it gets mm. everybody fired up. And when I see, if I'm on the Blazers and I see Aminu grab an offensive rebound and then I see Mason grab an offensive rebound, I want to go in there and throw my body around and get an offensive rebound. And I'm sure that's how all of the players are thinking as well. So I think they just need to be aggressive, win that hustle board, rebounds, blocks, steals, outwork the Spurs. They're old, we're young, we're in Portland. Let's get it done, Rip City. Who do you think's guarding Damien? They were smart. They'd probably put Kawhi on him. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. But again, I don't know if that can last for 48 minutes. I think you can get Kawhi in some pick-and-roll situations. I think it also allows Aminu. I think he would be able to take Parker or, or Danny Green. Just uh, think. Harrison Barnes, like a few years ago, Harrison Barnes had an amazing playoff series. It was because Tony Parker was on him. So. Exactly. If we can get, I mean, Aminu and Harkless have both shown they can hit that corner three. I mean, it could it could be a big night for both of those guys. But uh, moving forward, we've got Memphis after that. I think Portland could very well win that game if they beat the Spurs. Just riding that momentum. It's going to be a momentum season. There's going to be a lot. Of, of quick changing momentum. However, can we continue to contain Mike Conley and Marcus Hull? We did a great job in Portland, really limited their offensive attacks. I really thought it was mainly just Zach Randolph going to work down low. And finally, Bano Udre. He did not have a big game. That dude just murdered us. In the, so I'm so thankful he didn't have a big game. One of the it's best be back, backup point guards in the game. When he plays the Trailblazers. So you've got Bano. Uh, I think a key to that game is, again, energy. It's the first game of this road trip. How are you going to set the tone? Can can they hit the three? The three is the second key, I think. You go 15 of 30 in Portland in that victory. Memphis is known to really pack the paint. That's where their big guys are at. That's where they're really tough. They added Brandon Wright in the offseason. Spread the floor and hit those threes. You're unbeatable against most teams, but even more so against Memphis. That's how Golden State beat them. They just <laughs> spread and shred. So that that's going to be a game where you probably win or die by, by the jump shot. Charlotte, I just kind of have this vibe like I had against Detroit. Uh, on paper, I think we're probably a better team than Charlotte, just like I think we're a better team than Detroit. Um, but for whatever reason, I just, I don't, my gut's not saying we go into Charlotte and get a victory. Is that kind of how you feel? That's how I feel. I think Marvin and Kemba are going to go absolutely bananas off on us. Really? Marvin Williams? See, I, I don't... I don't see Marvin doing he's much been, in that game. I, I he's think been it's going to be Al years, Jefferson man. that game. Well, yeah. I mean, when when they need a bucket, they're going to dump it to Al. Yeah, and that's the thing. Can Portland, one, can they guard him with one player? We saw against Drummond, they weren't able to. Are they going to finally give up their defensive scheme and send a double from different ways? I would. Al Jefferson, like, like we... He said he cannot pass the ball for for his career. I believe he averages for his career. He's only averaged one point six assists per game. Don't don't be afraid to double him. Like he's he's the one that's going to cough it up. He's the one that's going to lead to fast break points for the Trailblazers. I, in a season like this, I guess I just want to see them try everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is why we got rid of the four starters is so we can kind of hit the restart button and just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks and then use that moving forward. Uh, that makes, I mean, this makes sense to me. Am I crazy right here, Sage? No, you got to try everything. And just think, we got to guard Al Jefferson. He has to guard Mace or Myers or Ed Davis or Vonley, and he's a plotting center. So and Exactly. If he is guarding, if he's guarding Myers, you run that pick and pop to death. If he's guarding Mace, you run that pick and roll to death. You make him work work, work on the defensive end. I think that's the key to slowing down these great offensive players is just make them, make them work on, on the other side of the floor so they don't have all this you know energy to use you know on the offensive floor. Yeah, you can't like – you've got to make them work because if they don't work on defense, it's like a resting period for them. So whoever is on Al Jefferson has to make a, an effort to move on the offensive end just to make him use energy. So – so you're saying Marvin. We're both saying Al. You're saying Marvin. I think this this has a this has a feeling of a Jeremy Lin game. You think he's going to be a backup point guard? He's going to have those big buckets against us, those back breaking threes. Um, I think I think it's going to be a close game. The good thing about the Trailblazers this year, I don't see many blowouts. I just I don't. Even though they lost to Detroit by 17, that game was obviously much closer than the final score indicated. I think they're going to play very competitive. Final game in San Antonio. I think will depend on how the first three games have went. 
Did they win two of those games? How close were they? With this team, I think their will and their leadership are going to be tested all throughout the season because there's going to be so much adversity for guys like Lillard and McCollum and Leonard. There's going to be a lot more losing than they're used to. It'll actually be not exciting, but it's going to be very beneficial for this team to see how they handle this adversity. How are they going to fight if they're on a three-game losing streak? Or it would be five if you factor in the previous two losses that um, just occurred. So you have a, what is the status of the team going to that final San Antonio game uh, next Monday? And, and how do they handle themselves? Because that could be a game where they could easily just roll over and let the Spurs you know, do their thing. Or are they going to fight and, and make an older team... And that's really what I want to see. Like I, Wins and losses don't matter to me. I just want to see them fight. And through eight games this year, I cannot complain. They have they, they fought their butts off. And you know I'm really proud of this team. One last question about the Hornet game. Okay. Who has a worse haircut, Alan Crabb or Jeremy Lin? It's Jeremy Lin, hands down. Okay. Especially when he, folds, when, he, when he doesn't mohawk it and just lets it hang down. It looks like a version of a bowl cut I had circa 1994. And nobody is ever seeing pictures of that. Uh, actually, scrap that. I think I just posted that as a TBT on my IG. Um, <laughs> shout out to the bowl cuts. But it, it needed to stay in 94. He's bringing it back uh, to 2015. Not a good look. Not a fan of the Crab's haircut either, but... I mean, uh, that Jeremy Lin... When I saw Jeremy Lin with that bowl cut, I was like... Uh, you know, it's just one of those where you just put your... You know, it's face palm when you just shake your head. Like, what, what are you thinking? All right, so I think it's time for a little mail time. All right. Seriously, we need to get this. You, I want that AOL intro or, you know, you know, use that PTI. It's fine. I'm sure they would be thrilled with us, you know, like paying them homage, obviously. So Kim Thrasher, super fan Kim Thrasher, wants to know, how many points do we beat the Spurs by? Smiley face, smiley face. We both predict a win. Let's go out on a limb and predict a score so we have it in, not I guess writing, but so we have it on record. What's, what's your prediction, Sage? 110.95. 15-point win. I like that. Yeah. I just said it's not going to be 40. I, I think that the revenge factor is going to be so such a big deal. So what's yours? I think it's going to be a factor. I think it's going to be a big deal. However, I think it's going to be a little bit more, I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? It's going to be a little more... Of a gut punch to the Spurs. Oh, okay. It's going to be one of those Lillard time buckets. He's just going to have a big shot to close it out. He might give Aldridge a little, you know, mug across the, across the court as Popovich calls timeout before they're inevitable. Right. I'm Anderson. not saying game winner, but I think it might be. I think it's going to be, and I'll get super specific. I'll say 104. 104 tie game. There's probably 30 seconds left. Lillard has the ball. I think he's going to split the double team. He's going to pull up for a, for a deep two, and it's going to hit nothing but net with about you know 12 seconds left. Blazers up two. They get the stop, and you know Rip City just goes wild. I think they win 106, 104. Uh, definitely, they're going to get over that 100 point mark. When they do, usually good things happen. So I would. So you say 15 point win. I say two point win. We want to know what's your prediction, Kim. What do you think? Uh, obviously, we, we're assuming you think in Trailblazers victory, but by but how much? That's what we want to know. Uh, got another question from uh, Dr. Jacks Blazers. <sighs> and this one hits, hits close to home. It says, how do I deal with the heartache of a 30-point fourth quarter swing? Buddy, if I knew that answer right off the bat, I would be sharing that like the gospel, my friend. Um, that game and the Clippers won this preseason were really, really tough. I was just in a funk for a few hours after that game. It just You just feel so... Helpless watching the game, you know a loss is is coming. Even when there's like six minutes left on the clock, you, you know you were just so high after being up 18, and so low after seeing it slip away, and then just really, really, really slip away. You know, losing by 17, and then you got what made it worse was it happened on Sunday night, and you know you got to go back to work on Monday morning, do a podcast just, 24 hours afterwards. Oh man, you know, just sad panda. I mean, it really it took me a while. I'm sitting there, I was watching Walking Dead, that wasn't doing it for me. Finally, just went to bed, watched some Netflix, and watched a little bit of comedy. Watching Master of None right now, starring Aziz Ansari. I highly recommend it. I'm halfway through it. My mom says that we have the best product placements. Hey, shout out to us. <laughs> hey, Netflix. Hey, you know, this is our own version of Netflix and chill. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
Or, I guess that's what I would say. That's 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 the remedy after a Blazers loss like that. Netflix and chill, my friend. I mean, I just had to forget go, about it and move on to the next. I, I 80, had to go through a. I mean, I'm a fan of a less prestigious team, so I've had to deal with many a loss. I mean, yeah, but like, but my friend, my friend, my friend, there is a loss, and there are just game those, three of the playoffs, my friend. Punches to the gut like that. Oh, I don't want to hear about playoff losses. Rip City knows what I'm 62 talking about. 62-point loss. I still don't want to hear about it. Game 7-2000 um, trumps everything, unfortunately. Unfortunately, the Trailblazer fandom has that trump card of being probably the worst loss in playoff history in the NBA. Um, that's it. I'm not talking about that ever again. In a parallel universe, <laughs> both the 91 Blazers and the 2000 Blazers are hoisting up. Uh, championship banners. I wish I was living in that one right now because I want to see a ring. I want to see. I want to see the chip in Rip City. I usually play Xbox Live after uh, tough loss. Yeah, just whatever you can do. Do not watch the post game yeah. shows. Do not go. No, no. Do not watch Sports Center. Try to do Twitter, anything non sports related. Twitter. Like just, yeah. just forget about it. Like it didn't happen. Um, that's that's our best advice. And and you know I, I do think. I think there will be a couple more of those losses this year. So take our advice and prepare yourself because there's 82 games and we've only been through eight. So it is a long, long ride that we're just getting started. Xbox those Live the with Sage 504. <laughs> <laughs> you know, those are all the fan questions we had uh, for this episode. But if you would like your fan question answered, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at HolyBackboardPDX or if email is more your thing, hit us up up at gmail our gmail account is holybackboardpdx at gmail.com you can also listen to this podcast hear our beautiful voices on stitcher and soundcloud at holybackboardpdx my man sage got us up on itunes for a quick minute they're kind of dragging their feet getting us uh approved and whatnot but sooner or later we'll be up on itunes we just created a Rip City 2 account for the message boards. We love interacting with the fans over there, so you can find us over there. We're pretty much everywhere. We love basketball. We love the Trailblazers. We love talking to you guys. So if you know you want to hear us, you know you want a topic to talk about, you know, shoot, shoot it our way. We're glad to talk about it. Yeah, and if you guys have, I'll actually tell you post show. Never mind. Nah, <laughs> save that. Save that one off the record. It's a, it's a, it's a sad note talking after a loss, but it will happen. But I think Rip City needs to to cheer up. Didn't it's you gonna... say that we'd be a 37-win team? Yes, I did. So, I mean, that, that's, that's that, below average, yeah. so you're going to lose more than you win. I mean, exactly. That's just the way it's going to be. So sometimes those games will be on Monday night. We'll yeah, I mean, sadness. and 37 wins was optimistic. <laughs> but quickly, I want to get your take before, before we um, exit this episode. Every time we win... I'm just like, man, let's let's keep winning, keep winning, obviously. In the playoffs, you know, I'm a, I'm a prisoner of the moment as well. Mm-hmm. And every time we lose, I'm like, okay, this is good. Like, let's get those, get that, you know, the ping pong balls. You know, I'm not rooting for losses, but, you know, obviously seeing the benefit in a loss for this team. My concern is that we might end up being too good to not be bad enough, but we're not too good to be good enough, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I think Kim Thrasher is already angry at you. But he, he, Kim, please don't be Kim. Kim, no, I, I got a prize for you. I got you that team poster. Be nice. But, but here's the deal. Let's say you get the tenth pick. Statistically speaking, you have a five percent chance that the guy will be good enough to be on your team. So, would you rather compete, which may or may not be good, or try and get that better draft pick? Because if I mean, just think if you get the 10th pick, there's a 5% chance. That's not good. I mean, they did, they worked wonders with CJ and uh, Myers being late lottery picks, but... You know, Paul George was a, a late lottery pick. You know, a guy like Kawhi Leonard slipped out of the lottery. You know, we've seen Tony Parker, who was like the 29th pick. Uh, Portland had success with Porter and Kersey, and even Cliff Robinson was a second-round pick. So, there but are there's gems... there's also Austin Rivers. And... Well, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. There are yeah. gems to be found... But one, it takes a little luck, and it takes just phenomenal scouting. The chances the right of finding team. the yeah, the chances of finding a good player increase the higher you get to pick. You know, Blazer fans know we've taken Bowie, Larue Martin, and Greg Oden. 
But had we made the proper pick, we had the selection to t- take a guy maybe like Kevin Durant, Charles Barkley, MJ. I mean, we all we all know that. Well, I mean, and there's a one in five chance that that first that top five pick busts. Exactly, so, it, it's a it's a crapshoot. Yeah. It's a crapshoot, and that's why I don't want to hitch my wagon to the tank or a draft pick because there is that bus factor. And to be quite honest, this draft isn't heralded as being a very deep draft. It maybe has four or five really top players, but after that, it's going to be really dicey to try and find a diamond in the rough. And so you can't you can't hitch your wagon to that. But at the same time, I understand why Trailblazer fans do that. We have not shown the ability to attract top market free agents. So even though we will have a tonnage of cap space this this offseason, Portland's probably going to have to acquire their their more their, their additional assets via trade. And exactly. Sorry. Exactly. Um, we, we're not the Lakers. We're, shoot, the Lakers aren't even able to attract free. Neither are the Knicks. It's just. The, the free agents are going to the teams that can win. The Blazers are a little bit away from that right now, and I, I definitely see both sides of, of this argument. You know, if you're the Trailblazers, you could really use a guy like Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram or even uh, Scal. I'm not even going to say that. Um, from Kentucky. Uh, I need to see him play a few more times to get that pronunciation. I'm not just going to butcher it, so you're not going to hear that. So you look at a guy like that and you say, that's our ticket. Let's pair him with Damon CJ and let's form our big three because it does take stars to win in this league. On the other hand, you want to say, wait, we've got this. We're already a young team. We're littered with lottery picks. Von Ley, McCollum, Lillard, Leonard, Aminu. I think Henderson was. I mean, obviously in the sense of where they were drafted, mm-hmm. probably Henderson's a little outside of that, that peak range in terms of where he's at in his career, but they're, this team just has Still a legit NBA dash. player, though. They have Cliff Alexander, who was the top high school prospect on the roster. So that's another thing about a draft pick is you look at a guy like Cliff Alexander, he was the number one high school recruit along with Jalil Okafor. One goes number three overall and wins a national championship. The other doesn't finish his career out at Kansas for uh, off-the-court reasons due to NCAA violations, however truthful those were or not. Uh, I'm not really going to get into that. And then you, you look back a couple years, Shabazz Muhammad was considered the absolute lock to be the number one pick in the 2013 draft coming out of uh, uh, Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. And he gets taken a spot ahead of CJ in the draft after one mediocre year at UCLA, and he can't even get off the bench at, at Minnesota. So it, it's really hard to get to Austin Rivers was the number two guy in uh, the 2012 draft. You mean in 2011? But, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah out of high school, yeah. And so that's, you know, that's where I can get that too is so much can happen from high school to to college. You know, as, mm-hmm. as much hype as Ben Simmons is getting, I don't think he, he's on that LeBron where he's pretty much a can't miss. The idea of a can't miss prospect just does not, it, it doesn't happen very often. I mean, even, even the can't miss, can't miss, like Greg Oden, they miss. So there's no such thing as a sure thing. So I definitely see the value in getting as many wins as possible developing your young team and letting Olshay work his magic because he's shown he can turn rags to riches. He can make a dollar out of 15 cents to quote my man Tupac. Turn C assets into C plus assets. Exactly. You know, he can, he can just make Portland continue to get better and better. It might be a slower climb to the top, but you know, guys like Lillard and McCollum, they're still young. I mean, this team, they're not even close to being tapped out. So long story short, yeah, shout out to Long Story Longer, my favorite fans. Love her. But I, I, I'm torn. It's I just want them to either, and it sounds so simple, either win or lose. Um, and if you're going to lose, just don't lose when you're up by 18 or seven, 18 points and then lose by 17. That that hurts too much. Um, that that's, <laughs> can't take a lot of games like that over the course of the season. But, of course, you know, it's, it's just that's not the way it's going to be. If the Blazers, as they should, they're going to fight tooth and nail for every victory, and you know what, I'm going to be there cheering them on, and you just kind of have to leave the cards on the, like, leave the cards on the table as they fall. I was going to say, and just whatever happens, happens. If you end up with a one pick, worst record, hopefully that's just, you know... The David Robinson. Yeah, I mean, actually, you don't want... The Tim Duncan draft. Yeah, I mean, you don't want an injury to affect a career or anything like that, but... 
you've also got to look at it, and I'm sorry I'm talking a lot about this, but it's really been on my mind, and you look at it, okay, if the Trailblazers have the uh, top three worst record, that means a lot of your talent, actually nearly all of your talent outside of Lillard and McCollum did not pan out. And you just really have, you're really starting from scratch then. Um, it's a much more of a longer rebuild than you thought, even if you get this guy like Simmons. So I think the ideal scenario is what happened in 07, except you hit with a pick. You end up with the 7th or 8th wor- worst record. You're very competitive throughout most of the season. You just tail off a little bit towards the end, but you win that lottery gold. You get lucky. You get that gold ticket. I think that is the best case scenario. What do you say, my friend? I- I'm actually a fan of getting the most assets possible. So right now I'm not okay with the tank, but if things don't go our way, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Getting assets Neil, is Neil O'Shea and Terry Stotts will probably deny this until the day they die, but they flat out tanked that 2013 April where they end up losing 13 straight games. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it's a lot but, 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 that's, but that's fine. We were not going to make the playoffs, and it allowed us to get in the 10th position where we were able to take CJ McCollum. So you've got to think, you know, if we didn't tank, we could have ended up here. Let me look this up right quick. You know, if you don't tank that the end of that, that the April of 2013, we could have ended up with Kelly Olenek, Shabazz Muhammad, Michael Carter Williams. Ugh. I mean, I mean, obviously people will say, well, well, Giannis and Gobert, they were taken, you know, 15th and 27th. But for one, Giannis was a huge, huge wild card. Mm-hmm. He was either boom or bust. Nobody was taking him in the lottery. And Gobert, um, I was working with the team at the time. I saw him at the workouts. The guy was real thin. He does not look like what he looks like now. Um, I'm honestly surprised he turned into the monster he was. He, For every guy like Rudy Gobert, there's a ton of Pavel Pazinklines. He was a 7-3 monster coming out of the draft um, probably 10 or 13 years ago. Uh, he went late in the draft as well. So again, you can't really say, oh, you could have had this or that. Those guys were just, you know, sometimes you strike, so, yeah, sometimes you strike gold and it is a perfect storm. So I guess what I'm saying in a whole roundabout motion is just, just have fun with the season. And I got to tell myself that too. If they win, great. If they lose, you have to see it as a positive um, because that is one extra ping pong ball that they are getting. So when they win, they win. And when they lose, they win too. And that's kind of the way that I'm trying to approach this season just to just to get through it because it's not always going to be, you know, sunshine and, and roses throughout the rest of the season. And we'll give our uh, draft prospects. Yeah, once the uh, season starts to get, we, we we would love to start getting, you know, our top five big board and update that every month. Uh, I know my guy Sage and I will be watching those college hoops, um, do our best YouTubing to, to find the, the international guys like Dragon Bender which is just a fantastic name. Oh, yeah, top ten name. Oh, my God, what a name. Um, you know I'll have to be watching my LSU boys. Oh, Simmons did some dirty things his, his opening night. I mean, just filled up the stat sheet like like nobody's business. Yeah, I'm looking at a mock draft right now. They've got, they got Simmons. I think Simmons and Scal, they're going to be the top two prospects. Um being a Duck fan, I'm definitely going to watch a lot of Pac-12 hoops. I'm excited to see what Jalen Brown and Ivan Rabb both do for Cal. It's going to be nice to try to watch as much college basketball as possible because I feel like people get so caught up in the tournament and what did they do for me lately? You get stories like Kemba Walker, who wins the national championship, but... Shabazz Napier. Yeah, those guys get taken and they probably got taken a little too high. Um... I'm guilty as this myself. I was so stoked and so sold on Tyrus Thomas after that that, that run. <laughs> um, I wanted him over Lamarcus so bad. I thought he was going to be the next, you know, the next big thing. Totally bought into that hype. But you know what? It, it at the end of the day in college, those are just four or five other games. Yep. I mean, just think. I was uh, Otto Porter number one fan. And James Harden looked terrible in the tournament. I remember just watching him against Temple uh, at Arizona State. Uh, I was thinking he was going to be the next, like, B-Roy um, in college. And he just, he looked awful. Like, look at him now. It, players get better. Like, mm-hmm. they, they're not a finished product when you see them in college. Like, And especially the college rules are so different. So when you're watching these games, don't get caught up in stats. I mean, my God, Andre Drummond looked 
just lost at UConn. But that's because he had ball-hogging guards at Connecticut who wouldn't pass on the basketball. So you have to take a lot of things in mind when watching these players. Don't just look at the box score. Um, take a look at how they're affecting the game, their body language, and just kind of how they can project into your, your team's NBA system. But I guess there was our rant on the draft. Um, it's so early. Don't worry about it too much. It's a long season, and you have to be so bad. I mean, you look at te- like you look at teams, and if you're already thinking about tank for the Blazers, you have to. If you're saying I want my team to be so bad that they are going to be the worst, te- one of the worst teams in the NBA. Portland three weight games is four and four. Not to throw you know salt on the wound, Sage. Your Pelicans are already zero and six. Yeah. The, the Kings are already one and seven. The Lakers are one and five. I see the Pelicans getting better. The Kings probably getting a little better. The Lakers, they're going to be much worse than us this year. You go over to the Eastern Conference. Sixers. Nets. Brooklyn and Philadelphia are both 0-7, and, and they are showing zero signs of life. Do you know so, the starting lineup of the, the 76ers now? No, and I don't want to know. It's terrible. Subject myself to that terrible starting lineup. I refuse. It's like unless, they're, unless they're playing the Blazers. There's this undrafted dude who actually impresses me a little bit. Yeah, they're all they're all terrible. I mean, he's putting up Mike James numbers, but it's a Sage, 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 buddy, buddy, buddy. Think about what you just said about a player on an 0 and 17. He put up Mike James numbers. Yeah, that should never be a compliment for an NBA basketball player. So we have those three teams right there, Brooklyn, Philly, and the Lakers. Those are going to be the three worst teams this year. There is no way on heaven, hell, or earth that the Trailblazers will be worse than those teams. So what I'm saying is we're just not going to be bad enough to statistically have a great shot at a lottery pick. That's just not the way the roster was constructed. I know well, a lottery, lottery pick, top five pick. A top four lottery pick, yeah. yeah. I mean, statistically, they're not going to have the 25 or 15% chance, however much it is. That's not the way the roster was constructed. That's not the way this team plays. Um, frankly, just take a, take a minute and look at the rosters on, on Brooklyn or Philadelphia. It's awful. You do not want to be there. Even if they get the number one pick, they've got a long, long way to climb. You, we just don't want to be there. We're in a much better situation. Just just ride out the season, watch this player development, and if we can add add a good pick, that's gravy. But I think what you said, the way this team gets better is via trade. Mm-hmm. And Olshay definitely is going to make some moves. Um, I've said it from day one in this podcast. He's going to make a, a Chris Paul type move. I do not know when it's going to be. It could be next year, but there's going to be a couple disgruntled superstars, and we're going to have the assets and the cap space to make it happen. And it might come on draft night. If, draft if we night trades are always fun. You know, if the Blazers get a number number three or four pick, but a guy like Boogie Cousins comes on the market. You you package that. Oh yeah, you. Um, so that's what you know. There's Olshay is a really great GM. I think he is in the top tier of GMs in this league. Just relax. I think he's got it. We're in good hands. Uh, that's you know I got I got Fargo in the DVR again. I need to catch up to this Sage. You know it's been great talking to you. It's been great talking to the fans. Uh, I love doing this. You know, go Blazers. Yep. Let's get let's just get this victory against the Spurs and I think all will be right in Rip City. Let's just let's just get this W and hit the road and do the best we can and continue to watch the brilliance of Damian Lillard. The dude yep. has been amazing. I'm signing off on that note. Let's-